the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, that is not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then, when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Greetings, one fellowship, family, and friends. Pastor Paul here, and I'm excited to dive into John chapter 2 with you today. But before we begin, let's go to God with a brief word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the title of my message today is Made for Joy, and I'd like to begin by asking you this question. Have you ever had something go wrong when you've worked so hard to get it right? Now, when I asked myself this question, this date came to mind, June 12th, 1998, which was the date of my wedding. And I think I have a picture of our wedding day to share with you today. Yes, there we are. And you might look at that and go, wow, he was so young. Yes, I was. And wow, what a beautiful, glorious occasion. Yes, it was in a unique kind of way. You see, the day started off a little rough. There was a huge storm that swept over Minneapolis that uh, June 12th. And with that unplanned storm uh, came an unplanned uh, bout with car trouble. You see, Carly, she was running late with her mother to get to our wedding. And I was like, what's going on? Well, it turns out that uh, in the midst of the storm, the windshield wiper on the driver's side stopped working. In fact, it started just hitting the side of the car. But to get to the wedding venue in Edina, Minnesota, they, they somehow had to navigate the highways uh, without um, windshield wipers, at least not working. And so Carly's mom was uh, looking out the passenger uh, side of uh, the windshield, and then she's looking out, getting her hair wet, and then she's looking out, and it, it was a bit of a mess. Finally, they made it, and I was so excited 
to marry this beautiful woman. And yet, even as the ceremony began, we heard something a little odd. Well, it turns out our videographer in the back of the room, Uncle Raleigh, he didn't plan for people to stand during the wedding. So right as Carly and her dad uh, made their way down the aisle, uh, the, the video equipment tipped over and you hear him going, oh gosh, oh, you don't know, oh geez. And we don't have any of the video of the early part of our ceremony. And then the, the ceremony kept going crazier and crazier. Uh, so much so that when we got to our vows, I didn't even realize these were vows that we had written and they were off just a little, but off nonetheless. Let me read some of our vows to you and see if you can catch where they're off. I love you, Carly. And before God, our family and our friends, I commit my life to you this day for as long as we both shall live in great or in plenty, joy or sorrow, sickness or health. I promise to be faithful to you, to nurture you, to cherish you and encourage you. And just as Jesus Christ has loved me with an unconditional love, so I shall love you, asterisk, as long as it's only in great or plenty. You see how we made a mistake there? And then to top it all off was the end of the evening. You know, after the storm had passed, people are pelting us with rice and all sorts of things. We make our way out to her other uncle's convertible old Mustang. And we were going to head to our honeymoon hotel in this Mustang. Well, we didn't know it at the time, but the car had been sitting actually outside during the storm with its top down. So when we sat down in the old leather seats, we sat in puddles. And then those puddles soaked through our outfits. Now, you can see, you wouldn't see it on my outfit, my tux. But as Carly got out at our hotel, she had a huge brown stain on her backside as we made our way into the lobby. But seriously, our wedding was beautiful. Here we are over 20 years later, still surviving. Uh, let me ask you, have you ever had something go so wrong when you've worked so hard to get it right? That is the story we see in our passage today, a story where a great celebration was met with great disappointment until Jesus showed up and saved the day. So let's dive into John chapter 2 together. Friends, the big idea from our passage is this. You and I are made for joy, and Jesus wants to fill our cup. You and I are made for joy, and Jesus wants to fill our cup. Point one, you and I are made for joy. Our passage begins. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. Now, let me ask, when you think of Jesus and his followers, what picture or personality types come to mind? Seriously, what picture or personality types come to mind? 
Perhaps you think of someone who's dutiful, someone who wakes, works, in worship, driven by a sense of obedience, and who has become rather rigid throughout the years, kind of like the father and daughter captured in this painting, known as American Gothic. Is that the picture that comes to mind when you think of faithful followers of Jesus? Or perhaps you think of someone who's kind, Someone who wakes, works, and worships, driven by a sense of mercy and purity to make the world a better place, kind of like this beautiful soul, the late Mother Teresa. Yet how many of you, when you think of Jesus and his followers, have the picture of someone who is dancing with his friends? Someone who is so full of joy that they throw an epic party with the best food, the best fun, and the best drinks. And for days on end, they party, and uh, they invite all their friends and family to join them, join in the celebration. Nope. You see, here's a picture from last fall of Molly and Charlie's wedding. Does that picture come to mind when you think of the followers of Jesus or Jesus himself? In the Gospel of John, that is the first impression we get of Jesus and his friends as he enters in to his earthly ministry. They're at a party with drinks flowing and laughter rolling for days on end. You see, you and I are made for joy. And to fully understand this point, we must understand the context of our text. In the Jewish culture of that day, there was no more important day in the life of a person than their wedding day. In the words of one writer, the wedding celebration was considered to be the most grand event in life, especially among the poor. Typically, the Hebrew wedding ceremony took place late in the evening following a feast. After the ceremony, the bride and the groom were taken to their home in a torchlight parade complete with a canopy held over their heads. They were also taken along the most circuitous route possibly, uh, excuse me, route possible so everyone would have the opportunity to wish them well. And instead of a honeymoon, they held an open house for one week. They were considered to be a king and a queen and actually wore crowns and dressed in bridal robes, and their word was considered law. In lives that often contain much poverty and difficulty, this was considered the supreme occasion. And so that is where we find Jesus in John chapter 2 as he begins his earthly ministry at a huge party a huge celebration. And what I love about this short story is how it fits into the bigger story of the whole Bible. When we read of God's love and salvation in the Old Testament, do you know what picture is painted? The picture of a feast. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, 
the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. And this is from Isaiah chapter 25. And as we look ahead in the New Testament to the book of Revelation, do you know what picture is given when sin and death will be no more? The picture of a wedding celebration. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear Fine linen stands for the righteous act of God's people. And then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. It is absolutely no coincidence that the first miracle Jesus performs is at a feast, is at a parting, is at a wedding celebration. Why? Because you and I are made for joy. To laugh, to dance, to sing, to share in the boundless love of God in one another. Which leads me to point two. Jesus wants to fill your cup. Jesus wants to fill our cup. Our passage continues. The wine supply ran out during the festivity, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come, but his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. You see, at some point in each of our lives, we will come to a harsh reality. Our cup of joy is running dry. We will come face to face with deep pain and shame that will threaten to ruin us and perhaps those we love. Right now, I know of several people navigating the deep agony of divorce. Their cup of joy is running dry. Right now, I know of several individuals and families navigating the complexity of mental health challenges. Their cup of joy is running dry. Right now I know of people caught and consumed by a secret addiction. Their cup of joy is running dry. And right now I know of individuals and families navigating the uncertainty of a job transition. And their cup of joy is running dry. Have you come to a point in your life where your cup of joy has run dry. In the words of Kent Hughes, no matter who you are, no matter what wines you have tasted, there comes a time when the exhilarations and excitements of life wear out. For some it comes sooner, for others later. Now catch this, often it is when life is at its very best that the wine gives out. And that is what happens in John 2, in our passage. At the very height of the party, the wine runs out. 
And for a Jewish couple of that day, such a situation would have been catastrophic. You see, the wine was not something they simply drank. The wine was a symbol around which people celebrated the goodness of God and his love and provision. It was such a big deal at that time that relatives could even sue a couple. Catch this. They could sue a couple if they ran out of wine because of the disgrace it would bring to a family's name. So in our passage, basically, what we see Mary doing is turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, this couple's in real trouble. They've run out of joy because they've run out of wine. Please help them. And how does Jesus respond? At first, he says it's not his problem for his Time has not yet come. And in saying this, he's referring to the bigger reason why he came, the giving of his life to one day save you and me. But then we see Jesus act and do something absolutely incredible. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. And each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And when the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. And so the servants followed his instructions. And when the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, uh, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. What I love about this story is, is, is that it is meant, excuse me, it is meant to point us inward and onward. First, inward. Jesus cares about our deepest longings. He cares that you and I, we long for joy. He cares when your joy even runs dry. In this story, Jesus blows the roof off of all expectations by creating over 150 gallons of the finest wine for the celebration. You and I, friends, are made for joy. Thus, the answer to our pain and shame is not to turn our hearts off, but to turn them fully on and cry out to Jesus. And second, looking onward. This is not just a random story in a random book that we call the Bible. It is a sign of the bigger story of God's plan of redemption. A story that proves there's no length that Jesus will not go to to fill us with joy. As one theologian puts it, the irony is while he's filling our cups with joy, he's sipping our cup of sin and sorrows at the end of his life. 
And as we look onward, we can trust that the best is yet to come. The way of God is that he saves the best for last. That one day as we trust in Jesus, we will be invited to the most incredible celebration where laughter and dancing and singing fill the air. And when our longings for love, joy, and peace burst forth in all their fullness. So in closing, I want you to know this truth. Wherever you're at in your life, you and I are made for joy. And today, Jesus wants to fill our cup. Now, if you are someone who's thirsty for joy today, right now, I have an invitation. Be it for yourself or even a loved one or even a neighbor I'm going to ask you right now to stand or kneel or extend your palms upwards as we cry out to Jesus in prayer. I'll give you just a minute. I invite you, if you are thirsty for joy on your own behalf or for a family member, a friend, or even a neighbor, to stand, to kneel, or to lift your palms upwards as we cry out to Jesus, like Mary, in prayer. Friends, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this uh, message that you sent your Son to fill us with lasting joy. Be it on behalf of ourselves, on behalf of our families, on behalf of a friend or a neighbor. We come to you just as we are right now. And we ask you to fill us afresh with joy. Heal us. Love us. Provide for us. We cry out that you would answer us in the name of Jesus for our satisfaction in his glory. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen.